Hey Muppet lovers, we've been so excited to share this fun episode with you all. Talking with Tim was such a lovely and super fun time and you're really in for a treat. Just a quick note, please bear with us for the sound quality. We all know how our pal Zoom can be sometimes, so please bear with us. I promise it's all worth it. Thank you for being here and I hope you enjoy. I'm Bria. I'm James. We're happy you're here. It's time to start the show. <laughs> Let's get muppy. Well, hello, everybody. Hello, hello. <laughs> we have a What the Muppet first. We have a very special guest who we're going to do an interview style episode with. Welcome, Tim Barnes. Tim Barnes. <laughs> hey, Tim. Thank you for having me. It's been yeah. a long time trying to schedule this, and so I really appreciate the effort you've made. I think we've been working on this since well before Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think so, actually. Now that you say that, <laughs> it has been before Christmas. We've been really looking forward to this. Thank you yeah. so much. Thanks for working with us. I have, too. I've been watching your shows, and I've been enjoying what I've seen. So Aww, thanks for having thank me. You. I'm really, thank you, too. really pleased to be here. Thank you. That's oh, so sweet. And uh, whether we realized it or not, we we've uh, enjoyed your work as well. But <laughs> we 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 yeah. take it in a lot of your Very nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you have. Been... I have so much online to see, right? Which <laughs> <laughs> is like almost nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have had quite the Muppet experience, Muppet and Puppet experience with working on the movie and having your own show and with uh marionette style and little shop of horrors that's yeah. been incredible i've been i've been very lucky i you know i i came up at a good time when puppets were still around and even though i kind of came into it at the very tail end i was able to experience a few things before it all went cg so that was nice oh yeah I want to talk about that, Tim. Uh, and and one of the mm -hmm. things uh, that we like to, or certainly as an interviewer, I like to do, um, is is finding a person's life, their arc, or their career, their creative life. But we have to start uh, at the beginning. So can we get your origin story, Tim? Where where are you oh, from? You want, you want the boring stuff first? I do. Okay, I love the boring stuff. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, super condensed version. I was born and raised uh, right here in Southern California. Uh, my mother was a homemaker, and my dad was a non-union, unskilled, blue-collar shop worker when he decided to work, which wasn't very much, <laughs> and a uh, professional drinker when he was not. Uh, my mother uh, took care of us kids. There were three of us. I was the middle kid, and um, so I was the shy, slightly ignored one. I was the one that stayed out of trouble, so she could. we had a great relationship growing up. Um, she actually was uh, an artist in the true sense. She had the gift, but she unfortunately wasn't able to pursue it and really develop it uh, the way she wanted to. She always said she wanted to, um, uh, they grew up in the Midwest in, uh, mm -hmm. in Cicero, Illinois. Hey. And so when I wasn't hearing stories about living up the street from Al Capone, and having a few interesting run-ins with his associates. Um, oh, wow. Uh, she would often talk about wanting to go to the Chicago Art Institute, and she said, draw pictures for the newspapers. Oh, this, wow. of course, was decades before, you know, digital photography became affordable mm -hmm. for everyone, and you had to, to uh, be a, what she wanted to be was a commercial artist, and she was good enough to do it. 
but she opted for the marriage and babies thing and kind of gave up her dream. Mm -hmm. But she always kind of kept it going. So mm -hmm. we did a lot of crafting and I would catch her doing little things, you know, just drawing on the edges of the newspaper and the borders of the newspaper. Or she, when I would start to make something, she'd come in and help me uh, and turn me on to a lot of things and help me in school with projects. And she taught me how to, how to sew. She taught me how to iron. She taught me how to uh, handle a paintbrush and things like that. The nice thing about it was that she didn't push me. It, I showed an interest, showed an aptitude, and she was very supportive and very encouraging. But if I had lost interest and moved on to something else, she would have done that too. I think she would have been a little disappointed, but she would have accepted that. So um, that was where the, the basic ability came from. And the fact that that was not discouraged, not pushed, but not discouraged, uh, kind of as I got into that 12, 13 years old, I was thinking, well, what am I going to do when I grow up? What am I going to do for a living? And I knew I wanted to do something in the creative arts field somewhere. What that meant, I had no idea and or how I was going to get there. Um, I didn't have an uncle that owned a radio station where I could go and learn to write ad copy or something like that. Um, so it was a lot of fits and starts, a lot of experimenting, a lot of trying, a lot of realizing what I was not good at or what I didn't want to do. And gradually the puppets came along as as Jim and and uh, his success showed what you could do with it. And mm. that sort of fit me a little bit better than than uh, certainly being an actor. I actually started uh, as a ventriloquist because Paul Winchell was Jim Henson before there was Jim Henson. He was my first idol. Mm -hmm. And so I just only knew ventriloquism. I also did magic as a hobby, but I didn't want to um, uh, get involved with, uh, with that because I didn't like being on stage as much. So when the puppets came along, it allowed me to perform, but not have to be seen. Yeah. And that's kind of how I more or less fell into to that. Hmm. Um, I'm certain if my, my mother had been an actress, I probably would have been an actor. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I, I like how Jim Henson said, no one thinks about being a puppeteer. You just kind of fall into it. And I think that's true of, of most careers, most professions. Yeah. Um, you know, you go back to your high school reunion, 40th anniversary reunion, and you, you see somebody who was the star of the football team, and all of a sudden they're, you know, working back east as the, you know, vice president for procurement for uh, overseas buying and selling of toenail clippers or you something. And you go, how, yeah. how did that happen? Well, they needed a job. And, you know. We we don't choose our careers. Our careers choose us. And yeah. um, I was lucky that that was my main interest. But I always kept a day job to pay the bills too, because that was also instilled on me. Oh, that's uh, something. That best you... advice my mother ever gave me was, you know, you want to do this fine, but get into something good, yeah. meaning do it, terrific, but get a paycheck. Mm -hmm. and, and that was some of the best advice she could give me. So um, that's more or less. That's awesome. Launched the, the direction. And then it was just a matter of figuring out how am I going to do this? So, Yeah, that was so heartwarming. Thank, Thank you, you for, for sharing, sharing that yeah. with us. Thank you for that. We have some uh, Illinois ties over here, too. I'm from that area. I'm an Illinois brat. And I uh, my some all, all of our family is from uh, there, too. So that's a nice connection. Mm -hmm. And um, finding some at a young age, whether, you know, it was puppeteering specifically or not, understanding from a young age that you you want to be a part of something, whatever that something is. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The the support we get from that, 
so so often it, it, it's so much bigger than we could ever realize. And, and to hear you oh, yeah. talking about it, I could I could hear it in your voice. I could hear how much her taking that time, her whether she was sitting down and saying, I'm, I'm supporting my son. It wasn't so much that as it was, she was actually just actually doing it. And that, oh, yeah. that's so yeah. cool to hear, to know the, the end of the story, but to hear the beginning of it and hear yeah. that, that that led to this. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Absolutely. Well, I was lucky in the fact that she was a homemaker. So she was home all the time mm -hmm. and she was not a big believer in kindergarten and preschool and all that stuff. I jumped right into first grade and she had to talk me into the school saying mm. that I was going to be good enough because they didn't want to take me. And mm. I, it was fine. I mean, how difficult is first grade? <laughs> you know, it's kind of hard to mess that up. But yeah, yeah. she kept me home as much as she wanted to. She didn't have to worry about me and have the house. She never drove. She never drove a car. So she would have to take time and walk us to school or otherwise make arrangements. It was just too much of a hassle. And mm. so she, in that way, kind of homeschooled me. We read a lot. She was a big reader. And she made sure that we read um, she didn't sit down and teach us letters and numbers, but there was always that encouragement to read or to do something, you know, even if it was a comic book and it was a good quality comic book, not violent. Um, <laughs> I literally learned to read from uh, Karl Barks, Donald Duck comic books, the good ones. Oh. You know? um, yeah, yeah. I didn't know Adventures, uh, Avengers or, or Marvel that you know, Batman and Superman were great TV shows to me. That was it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm nerdy, but I'm not that nerdy. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I'm, you know, whereas I didn't read the classics of Mark Twain or whoever growing up, um, at least if you're going to read comic books, read the quality stuff, read nonviolent, read mm -hmm. imagination, read something that was creative. Um, later on, it was Mad Magazine. My mom let us read that because she thought oh, it yeah. was funny. She had a great sense <laughs> of humor in that way. Um, yeah. So, that's that was sort of encouraged. There was sort of a sense of homeschool. Uh, even no matter how busy she was, she would sit down and color for a few minutes or read to us. Mm -hmm. And too many parents can't or don't do that. Yeah. Um, I also had a really good support network with teachers. Teachers were very encouraging to me and let me do my ventriloquist act or magic act or whatever in class. Um, oh, a lot wow. of the stuff I would just go to them and say, can I do this? And they would say, yeah, come on in, do it. So I was very lucky. Too many kids don't have that. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It would have been nice to have that for my father too, but he had his own agenda. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that with us. I really like that you learned through books a lot mm -hmm. and that your mother was a reader because there really is so much we can absorb from books and what books we read as children, how that embeds in us mm -hmm. as we grow up. That's really cool. She could just absorb books. I could bring big, thick, biographies home from the library and she'd read them in a day and a half to the point of picking out typos in the in the manuscript oh wow so she didn't just gloss over them she would just devour them um and it's sad when you see kids 20 25 saying i don't like to read yeah or they don't even know how to read they stumble over the words and things mm -hmm. and yeah. it's like you're, you're just shortchanging yourself mm -hmm. I, I love computers i love technology in that sense but there's nothing better than sitting with an actual oh, tactile, yeah. tangible book. I agree. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's having in your sitting hands. with a with a with a you know Kindle or, or with Kindle. It's too much like homework. It's too much like mm -hmm. on doing research now. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's great, but that's work and this is pleasure. So yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more as a fellow bookworm myself. <laughs> yeah.
And our uh, our moms, Tim, sound so much alike. My my mom and oh, yours yeah. sound so similar. There, there's so many interesting things that are very similar, very much the same. Well, maybe we're related. Who knows? Yeah, maybe we'll find out. <laughs> Nowadays, you find out pretty quick. We've got a lot of different sources, 23andMe and all that. We'll find out. Right. Piggybacking off of talking about your childhood, can you remember one of your first encounters with puppets and if that inspired you in some way? Oh, I'm sure it must have. My my uh, my mom always tried to, to do things on the weekends with us kids, even if we couldn't really necessarily afford you know, Disneyland or something, we would go as often as we could. Um, she, I have an older sister, had an older sister, uh, and she was seven years older than me. So she got to go to Disneyland the first year it opened. I got to oh, go wow. as a baby in 59. So that was my first visit. Mm. Um, and I'm sure, I know for a fact there were puppet shows in, in, the, uh, in the park. And I have oh. vague memories of parades and things like that. So all of that you know, was almost prenatal. We would go to see little mall shows. And, mm. and of oh, course, we had television in the house all the time. So I'm sure that even though I can't recall seeing something at a year or two, I'm sure that must have gotten in there. Um, oh, yeah. The shows I remember seeing was when I was maybe closer to four or five years old. Um, one of the, the uh, early shows I remember was a guy uh, named uh, Tony Kemeny or Kemeny. He used to do uh, a live little hand puppet show at Knox Berry Farm, Tony's Puppets. Mm. And if you want to do some research on him, he has an incredible backstory. Um, oh, wow. He was kind of lucky to be alive. And Walter not liked what he did. Uh, he liked very simple, simple, simple things. He, he wasn't about roller coasters and theme parks. He liked little art. He, liked, he appreciated that. And he mm -hmm. gave Tony a place to work. And... I can still recall seeing his very simple hand puppet shows worked out of a, a wagon, basically mm. a circus themed wagon. Um, and my mother loved the show so much that she took me into, I'm sure it was Virginia's gift shop, which is a store right outside of Knott's, uh, and bought me my first commercial hand puppet, which was mm. identical to the ones he was using. Aww. So oh, cool. that was pretty much the first show I recall seeing but I know for a fact there were others long before that, that, mm. you know, oh, probably I are in the resources that. in my brain somewhere. But. Right. I love that. I kind of related to you in the way you said that it could have been subconscious because I didn't realize that mm -hmm. my mom used to put on Muppet babies when I was a baby. I had no idea. And I was like, oh, so it was just meant to be yeah. <laughs> this entire time. Yeah. So that was really Absolutely. cool to relate with that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you had a hand puppet back then. Do you prefer mm -hmm. hand puppet, marionette, or the hand and rod? Or mm -hmm. are they just all unique in themselves? Well, you know, I, I, it's just, it's, it's all art. It's all a different skill sets. Yeah. Um, the, the hand puppetry came the easiest to me because that's how I started. But mm -hmm. almost early on, I had commercial uh, marionettes, as I say, I started as a ventriloquist, so and did magic. So it was kind of all there, and and the the, the skill sets that you learn from that can kind of bleed over. And uh, I think by by doing magic and and studying uh, how you hold a prop or how you do a pass, and realizing, okay, I'm never going to be 
a sleight of hand artist. I just didn't have the skill sets. My hands are very small. My fingers are kind of weak. And I just didn't have the needed dexterity for it. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned how to do a pass or how to do the, you know, the, the finger exercises where you, mm -hmm. you know, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And that helped with manipulation because people mm -hmm. will say to me, gee, you're really delicate or how do you get that curl of the mouth or something? And it just goes back to that. Um, oh, cool. Vent taught me how to set up and tell a joke, set up and punchline. Mm -hmm. um, I did, as I said, I didn't want to be on stage, but that was the structure of that. And mm -hmm. vent puppets are rod puppets. Um, marionettes for a different skill. You're limited in one ways. You can do other things with a marionette that you can't do with a hand puppet. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's all good. And as yeah. Jim Henson used to say, it can all mix around. So it's a matter of trying to learn and if you can apply one to the other. Um, hmm. It was nice when I first started Bob Baker's, I worked with everything. I was doing shadow puppets there and things that I never would have done on my own or just didn't have the opportunity up until that point. So it's it's all good. I'm most comfortable with the hand puppets since they're easy and I didn't have to think about doing it. Yeah. But, um, but if somebody offers me the chance to do something, yeah, I don't sit there and say, I can't do marionettes or I don't do rod puppets. I may not be as skilled as it at it but um but i'm not intimidated by it either that's really cool mm. i really like what you said that it's all good yeah that was a really beautiful mm -hmm. little line mm -hmm. well I, it is i you know I, I i oftentimes relate a story about um lucille ball when she was coming up in in hollywood and how she started as you know she just was so desperate to help her family financially she came to hollywood and she started as a model and she did topless modeling and she did a lot of things that people wouldn't associate with her. Yeah. And, but she, you know, worked as a showgirl behind Eddie Cantor. She took seltzer from the Three Stooges. She did a cat fight uh, on, on film with, uh, with Maureen O'Hara. And mm -hmm. then she eventually became Lucille Ball. And people said, did you mind doing all of that stuff? Did you, that was must have been pretty degrading or pretty embarrassing. And she said she didn't mind it at all as long as she learned something from it. Oh, Even if it was yeah. what not to do or what mm. you're not good at or how to do something. And Ooh. so it was all value to her. Yeah. She'd never continue yeah. on. She found her niche and she did that. Mm -hmm. But as long as she learned something. And then, of course, the punchline was, what did you learn from working with the Three Stooges? She said, I learned how to duck. <laughs> That's so funny. No, so, good. Good. Again, you can Legend. see that it's a waste of time, or you can try to find value in it. And I've had a lot of, you know, quote unquote, failed projects. But if you understand why they failed, mm. you can sort of red flag it beforehand and say, this is going to be trouble. Or, yeah. you know, I can already anticipate a problem. Let's get around that before we go any further. So, again, it's, it is all good. You know, I, I don't find any yeah. negative about it. I've always loved the uh, the quote, uh, I never lose, I either win or I learn. Ooh, uh, yeah. that, that everything in life is is, is data and, and you're taking from that and, and growing from it and everything. Um, like you, uh, I, I realized from a young age kind of what I wanted to do or at least somewhere in the ballpark of what I wanted to do and mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of opportunities to learn of what it is to be an actor, how to be an actor or entertainer or anything. So I'd, I'd learn everywhere I could from commercials, movies, TV shows, and interviews. Um, one of the biggest ones for me was watching with my nana and papa, The uh, Tonight Show, and Johnny Carson's mm -hmm. interviewing Larry Hagman, uh, JR from uh, Dynasty and everything. 
uh, Dallas. I mean, Dallas. Dallas, uh, Dallas. Yeah, Dallas. And uh, Johnny's talking about him and he's like, you know, for those that don't know, Larry's got this huge thespian career. He's 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 done all these big roles. He's a very, very good, well-rounded actor. But everybody knows him as Jr. And he's like, how do you feel about that? And he looks at him and he's like, Johnny, they can put Jr. on my tombstone. I don't care. I get paid for I get paid to do what I love to do for a living. Um, mm-hmm. The idea of that really stu- stuck with me uh, that that. Sure you know it, it getting to do this for a living not everybody gets to and there's so many people that want to um that sure. to appreciate that and to always remember that I, I think is a really cool thing to see especially with somebody that has such an illustrious and wonderful career like yours does mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know one of another hero of mine is is boris karloff i think he was oh, yes. you know obviously you know the horror stuff but i mean he was just he was just an incredible actor mm-hmm. um and he could do comedy, he could do Shakespeare, he could do all this stuff, but he had to do the monster stuff. And mm-hmm. people later on in his career ask him, are you sorry you were typed as the monster, knowing that's not you at all, and it's not you as an actor. And he said, no, a typed actor is a lucky actor because mm-hmm. it means yeah. you've achieved something that nobody else has. Yeah. And every actor wants to be remembered. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, you can, you can let it eat you up alive or you can sort of get behind it and celebrate it and say, this yeah. is the way it is. I I'm, I'm lucky. I still can do the other stuff on the side mm-hmm. and would prefer it, but you know, if you want this, Hey, I'll do a television commercial or I'll do a comedy variety show and, and I'll do a radio show and I'll do all the obvious lines about graveyards and bodies. and all that. That's what they want. Fine. I'll do it. I'll take the money and, and have fun doing it. So, it depends on how you feel in the morning when you get up. I, <laughs> yeah. I've always tried to be a problem solver. I'm not not Pollyanna, but I try to, you know, if there's a problem, fix it. Get around it. Mm-hmm. I feel that, Tim. You know? Yeah. 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 Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, we want to, um, you've touched on a little bit of your early career, your early breaks, uh, some of the early experiences you had. And we want to talk a little bit about the, the Muppet movie and your time on there. I I've been fortunate. I've been um, I haven't been interviewing that long, but I've been doing it for a couple of years, and I've gotten to do a lot of these. This is probably the most childish question I've ever asked anybody, but I can't help myself. I have to ask. When you were on the okay, you get a childish answer. That's (laughs) perfect. Perfect. (laughs) When um, when you're on that set, when you're working with those individuals, those people, so many different names and so much going on, was there a feeling of of like a magical feeling on the set? Was there a magical kind of feeling or vibe to it? And maybe I'm, I'm giving the wrong, wrong verb for it or something, but was there a good, no, was not there at all. an energy to it? You know, I was, I was 18 when I was there. So I hadn't been on a lot of real movie sets. Mm-hmm. I grew up in an area called Thousand Oaks where there's, there was always a great deal and still is to a certain extent, a great deal of filming growing up. And it was not uncommon to drive down the street and see them shooting something somewhere. It might've just been a television commercial, but oftentimes there were celebrities. So I'd been on sets, but nothing like this. Um, hmm. I'm, I've been working on and off with a manuscript for a life career, whatever you want to call it. We'll never see the light of day, but it's you know cathartic to write it. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part is to say, how did, how did that feel to be there? They, mm-hmm. they will ask you, what was it like or what happened? That's the easy part. How did it feel? And it's, you know, I can still recall the feeling it's hard to put into words. It was fun and exciting. It was 
interesting and educational. Mm. And somewhere in the back of my mind, I realized this is a once in a lifetime experience. So mm. shut mm. up and listen and learn. Yeah. yeah. And you just try to be a sponge and absorb it. Mm. It, it was at times a little surreal um, because I'm very much into old Hollywood, Hollywood history. And to find that it was shot on a, on a lot that went back to the days of Max Sennett and mm. Republic Pictures and so many major stars started there. Um, and now I was there. Yeah. And at the same time, seeing something that was very contemporary, brand new, I could go home and watch the Muppets or I could walk on the set and I could see them live and see yeah. the people working them live. So it was it was a lot to take in. Um, yeah. And I was just there for a couple of days just observing and mm. Jim almost immediately put me to work here, do this kind of thing. <laughs> and okay. You know, yeah, yeah, okay. You, you know, and and it it I kind of felt I was sort of half a step behind. Like, mm. I can't believe what I'm doing here. This yeah. is like not supposed to happen, you know. And I've had that experience three or four times when I when I was brought in to, to do different projects that I really wasn't prepared to do. Mm. But you better get it together because people are you know spending money on this. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, so it, that's about the only way I can describe it. This the oh, fact that's that it, great. Was, it yeah. was fun and interesting and 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 serious work. And you know, I learned a lot about filmmaking. People said, "What'd you learn?" I learned a lot. I, I never thought about how films were actually made. I was a television guy. I was a theater guy. Mm -hmm. uh, just learning how a scene was shot in a master and then close-ups and then everything was intercut. Mm -hmm. um, learning how they would loop later on. And uh, I was just learning leaps and bounds every day. Oh, that's how that's done. Oh, that's what that wow. piece of equipment is for. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what that guy does on the set. And you just, you try to just soak it up and gunny sack it because again, you never know if you're going to need that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I uh, thank you for sharing that with us. That, that is so cool. I can't even imagine just that overwhelming feeling in a good way of being on that set. That yeah. that just sounds incredible. Well, I don't think I breathed for about eight hours. So yeah, I, I would not either. No, I'm <laughs> yeah. so with you. Yeah. My father-in-law has a question for you that I I just remembered. I would have kicked myself mm. for not remembering. I you told a teacher, that... like I got here, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so he wants to know: Is Kermit the Frog as nice in person as he is <laughs> on TV? <laughs> it's a great Kermit question. The Frog was a hard very nice question. to me. He was so good. Um, <laughs> I I didn't I I got to see Kermit actually work. Um, I've told this story before, but um, everybody who ever met Jim Henson, I'm sure feels that they have the definitive story or the best way to have met him. If you're a crew member and he's directing or you're a lawyer and he walks into a business meeting or you just run into him in an airport or a restaurant, that's your experience. And you think, wow, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. In my case, if I had sat down and crafted, how would you want this to play out? It couldn't have been more perfect. Oh, um, wow. It wasn't just bumping into him or going into an audition or something like that. I mean, you walk on the set, there are all the Muppet characters, there are all the performers, and they're getting ready to shoot the one of the screening room shots, uh, mm -hmm. the one where Kermit actually walks into the room. So I see Kermit working and talking to the other characters before I see Jim, and then wow. I saw Jim. So... Again, it was like, if you wrote that, no one would believe that that happened, but that's the way it played yeah. out for oh me. I met Kermit, quote unquote, 
uh, the actual second day I worked, which was a light work day for Jim, that was the day Mel Brooks and Charles Durning were working, the first oh, day they were working. I see. And yes, Mel Brooks is like oh, comedy god to me. Mm -hmm. So yes. I walked yeah. in and I recognized his voice and I, I didn't know he was in the movie. I go, that's Mel Brooks. You know? And so I got to watch him work on top of it. But, wow. um, oh. but I, I did get to meet Kermit officially once he got his collar restitched. And um, I got to help block that scene. And we, we chatted a little tiny bit anyway. And I got to shake his hand. Oh. And yes, I know this is getting very cutesy, but it is. Um, they <laughs> all broke for lunch. They did all break for lunch. And uh, Kermit was still tied up. He had his arms tied behind him in his oh. open collared <laughs> shirt. And they just took him and plopped him on the puppet stand and went to lunch. And I left the stage too, because they were going to close up for lunch. And Kermit was there and his head was all flopped off to one side. He looked like an old sock. And I think he's already been through too much. He's tied up, <laughs> you know, he's, <laughs> he's threatened here. And, you know? yeah. and so I went and I fixed him and I put him, oh, I just had to do that. I know that's really cutesy. I know that would that's make- awesome. No, That's awesome. No, that's awesome. But love that. it's just something that I had to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I love that. that. Mm -hmm. So that's, you can tell your father-in-law, cool. yes, Kermit was very, very nice to me. He will be very he happy me, to hear that. The, the, the last day I worked, he, he let me uh, try him on, so. Really? Uh, yeah. wow. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes. Tim, that is so cool to just experience this secondhand, hearing these stories. And you're such a good storyteller. Yes. I feel like I'm seeing it all in my mm -hmm. head. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I've been practicing. Yeah, they're nice guys. <laughs> I'm trying desperately not to ramble. I have a tendency to ramble. So no, no, no. And and as a fellow rambler, please. No, you, as a you, secondary you, fellow yeah, yeah, rambler, yeah, you're in good company. You're in very good company. Yeah, we're just a bunch of ramblers. <laughs> so you were talking about your amazing time on the set of the Muppet movie. Did you have anything? You kind of touched on things that you took from that experience, but is there kind of a big one that you've taken from that that you might have used in later experiences in your life? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it was just a lot of little things. You know, it was yeah. obvious it was meeting Jim mm -hmm. and and a few other people on the set and watching the rest of them work. Um, yeah. It was actually doing the movie. It was being a part of, of a studio that became a very favorite studio of mine uh, mm -hmm. that we shot over at... Uh, uh, what's called Studio Center, uh, which started as, as I said, Max Senate, and then it turned into Republic, and then it got into um, CBS Studio Center, and they did mm -hmm. shows like uh, Gilligan's Island and Gunsmoke oh, wow. and Get Smart and, and on and on. Is that the set on. in Berkeley? So, I'm sorry? Is that the set in Berkeley? The, which which set in? Uh, I'm thinking in, of the, the studios in Berkeley that they they've got some CVS. Studio no, the studio is actually in studio. It's actually in Studio City. Oh, and okay. It's okay. it's so funny to uh, which is you know just uh, part of LA, part of the San Fernando Valley, and not far from Universal Studios. Okay. Um, and it's it's so funny because you know Gilligan's Island was supposed to be lost somewhere in the you know South Sea someplace, and it was kind of right off of Ventura Boulevard, which is kind yeah. of like. Wilshire or Sunset or any of the big streets. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that was fun to be around and to be there f during the production, to be on certain days, I got to see a lot of the stuff being sort of finished, sets being built. Uh, I saw the giant animal head being pulled out of the shop oh, and taken awesome. over to the Western Street. 
um, you know, got to stand on on the the Western Street that uh, they used for the film, but also where uh, you know it was used for gun smoke and a, you know a thousand other westerns, wow. including uh, High Noon, and wow. stood in the spot that Gary Cooper stood on. Oh, and so you know, it's just it, to pick out one thing that was great about it, you know, let alone the Muppets. Even if they had not been there, somebody had just said, "Hey, come on in and hang out at the studio," it still would have been great. You yeah. Know? Wow. Um, yeah. I got to go back and visit. Worked on another their film, another puppet film, a few years ago, and most of the back lot has been torn down. Mm. Um, Gilligan's Island, Kermit Swamp is gone. Oh. Uh, the Western Street is gone. Mm. Uh, the New York Street is gone. Um, but the Seinfeld Street was there. And oh. so, cool. you know, I got to hang out there for the day. It was a Saturday. There was nobody on lot. So that was oh, fun cool. to kind of yeah. be able to That's explore that. Fun. It wasn't, wasn't the same, but it was fun. Mm-hmm. So wow. in terms of any one thing, no, I couldn't tell you. There was just, it was just, again, it was all good, you know. Right. But it, it seems like an experience like that. You're constantly learning so many things mm-hmm. that it, it it's, yeah. it's almost an encompass of everything that you take in. The experience mm-hmm. itself is uh, just a lesson. Yeah. It's very much a crash course. I've been mm-hmm. most of my, you know, quote unquote career, if you want to call it that, has always kind of been like a football player sitting out the game for three and a half quarters and then suddenly being brought in because they had nobody else. Here's the ball, run it, and yeah. getting it almost down to the touchdown, you know, until some relief pitcher go sit on the bench again. So yeah. that's it's it's been kind of feast or famine. Uh, I've been brought into stuff saying, Can you do this? I don't know, I never have, but I'll try. And sometimes yeah. it works, and most times, fortunately, it works, but not always. <laughs> no, wow, thank you, you for know. sharing that with us. Yeah, yeah, but I can. I could probably understand that it would be overwhelming to try to pick one thing. Hmm. So that's great that you can still, that happened when you were 18, you said, right? Yeah, I was, I was 18. Uh, I was, again, I was really lucky in the sense that because I started kind of deciding I wanted to do this the last year in high school, which Mm -hmm. was long story short, just wound up being a complete waste of time. Um, They couldn't teach me anything else. (laughs) There was nothing left for them to teach me. (laughs) And so they could have handed me my diploma a year early and I could have gotten out and gotten a job and helped out the family. But I had to play the game and finish out. So I was homeschooling myself in puppets and business and and learning how to write a resume and learning how to write press releases and and do interviews and cold calling and that kind of stuff, which helped with a day job situation, but also to do the puppets on the side. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I graduated high school, and about a year after that, I got right in at Bob Baker's and then right in at, at uh, Muppet Movie. Hmm. Uh, and I was working in public access television, which was great education mm-hmm. and a story in of itself. So I had all that experience by the time I was pretty much 19 years old. Wow. And that helped me decide this is kind of what I want to do. Now I have to do it right. You know, this is only going to get me so far. Muppet wow. Movie cost, got me a lot of great press, but I you know, you're only as good as your last job. So now you got to go out and do it again. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Wow. Hmm. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. You had another good question. Oh yeah. So along with puppet work, you've also done Mm -hmm. a lot of voice acting. Um, So I, or you've had some voice acting experience. A a little bit. I wouldn't say a lot, but I've had the experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Yeah. If, you know, if if a voiceover job came along, uh, that I was right for, mm-hmm. um, I I would do it in a heartbeat because I again I love the challenge we talked before yeah. about what kind of puppets do you like to try to work without puppets and without 
uh, you know, the crutches that actors use of their face, their voice, their hands, their bodies on mm -hmm. camera, yeah. and just channel your, channel your performance through a voice and right. have that character be fully rounded and live, that's a real challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Most of what I've done has been really technical um, mm -hmm. ADR work, uh, narrating commercials when you're reading copy for the first time. Um, I, I did uh, I was training in, in motion capture and mm -hmm. voicing characters improv on the fly, but having to adapt to the computer system, which wasn't designed for puppeteers. Oh, yeah. So again, it's all challenging. Um, you know, I, I would love to be able to, to do something like that. I'm not a voice guy at all, as you can tell. My voice is very high and pinched and nasal and feminine, and it has no range to it. And I've no voice training, oh, no timbre, nothing like that. I don't think about that, I yeah. disagree. you got a great voice. But it would be right for, uh, you know, an elf or something, <laughs> you know, to come in and say, could you do a, you commercial? Yeah, you come in and, you know, uh, hey, Santa, let's do it for Christmas. Really yeah, easy there stuff. There you go. <laughs> um, but, I think you have a good narration voice, mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah. Well, I, I can talk, but I, I don't like to listen to my voice. And whenever I have to do something like this, I always say, you know, I apologize, but you just have to listen to it for a few minutes. I have to live with the rest of my life. So. <laughs> You're very funny. I honestly think you have a, a nice, like, voice. And yeah. okay. I, I do I understand. That. I think we all are critics of our own voice. Oh, I have yeah. to edit our podcast yeah. and hear my voice all the time. Uh, I do radio for a living yeah. and I hear you. Yeah. But in yeah. my headphones, I, I would like to actually have something else playing in my headphones so I don't mm -hmm. have to hear my voice when I'm on the air. So I don't. Yeah. yeah. You have to focus on the words. You know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. funny when I, when I watch some of the puppetry work, I kind of watch the puppets and I'm watching the manipulation and I don't really hear myself as much. I can be a little bit more objective about it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But when I'm doing this and I'll be listening to the playback and I'll be listening to the show, I just cringe when I hear this. And, uh, but can't you get somebody else to say this for me? <laughs> I, I get that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Tim, we just had one more question for you and uh, we'll wrap mm -hmm. up with uh, letting people know what you're up to now. But um, before we do, you you came up with a really good one, I thought, Bria, about do you have a favorite Muppet or Muppet movie? Well, I have to say Muppet movie for obvious reasons. Mm. Um, as objective as I can be, I still think it's one of the maybe one or two best films they did. Mm -hmm. um, it just really works as a film. Um, I really like Muppets Take Manhattan because mm. of Frank Oz's input with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say Great Muppet Caper. After that, I the newer stuff, I'm just, I'm really not into. It just doesn't have mm -hmm. a, Mm -hmm. you know, a, a Henson feel about it. Um, yeah. And I know people really like Christmas Carol a lot. I personally can't get into it only because I'm kind of tired of the story. Everybody's done it. And yeah. it's pretty depressing to me. But <laughs> if you're going to do it, it was done well, I think. Yeah. Um, well I, said. I just, That's well said. If I have to see another version of Christmas Carol, it's like, thanks, but no thanks. I don't care how well <laughs> it's done, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, I get that. Treasure Island, I couldn't get into. The new Muppet movie, I couldn't get into. I, I just am really not terribly interested in in the work it's just very different now and yeah. you know the puppets are beautiful the puppetry is great i think people are trying and i think that if once in a while you get a little moment here and there that's great but mm -hmm. it's just it's not the same and so it's uh yeah. it's hard to pick you know a, a favorite like i go back to the original and the truth of the matter is when you see the top 10 muppet movies listed muppet movie usually comes in at number one it's never below number three 
Um, no. So that has to say a lot because you're talking about, you know, people who weren't even alive when that came out. Mm, yeah. You know, and so mm. that's that says a lot. You know, uh, they only know Steve Whitmire or whoever during Kermit. They don't know Jim's Kermit. They don't know the early work as well. They've seen it and they're amazed yeah. by it, but they don't know it. They can't relate to it. So their area of reference is different, but when they go back and look at it, it's amazing that the film holds up. You could sit there and say it's dated, yeah. it's 70s, it's, you know, there's yeah. a lot of technical bloopers in it, um, but it, it, you know, it still really does hold up as a film. I, mm -hmm. I think uh, Muppets Take Manhattan is probably the prettiest film they did. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's, it is yeah. funny. It's a very, very good funny. story and it's <laughs> funny, you know, and you can feel Frank Oz's, you know, yes. Oh yeah. touch yeah. on taste mm -hmm. on. I like what you said that I do appreciate that Muppet content is still coming out, but I do agree that it doesn't have like that Jim Henson lens to it, which for obvious reasons is very hard to replicate because it came oh, from yeah. his mind and everything. Uh, but it's so beautiful that we can watch it back like a million times and still feel that comfort. And I appreciate oh, yeah. that. Um, like I'm, I'm coming from a radio background and been doing that for like mm -hmm. 20, 22 years. And when I came into it, they told me, well, we don't know how long radio is going to be around. And and the fact that it's still around, that it's still, you know, has a place. I'm, I'm not saying it's as big as, you know, certain other mediums or anything, but that it still has a place. Even when I hear like uh, radio that I don't necessarily like or I don't think is really what radio used to be or what what I love about radio I'm happy there's still radio. I'm I'm happy that there's still mm -hmm. stuff being made. Even if I don't get it, I get that I don't get everything. But yeah. it's not everything's not for me. And uh, a lot of the people that I, I run into don't seem to always get that. It's got to be my way or, or the way I did it and everything. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that you're, yeah, maybe I don't get into it, but I'm happy it's still being made. I'm happy that, you know, young kids. Well, yeah, well, anything that keeps puppeteers working is a good thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, cool. It's cool that you get that. You know, I, I don't want to see these characters go away. I mean, I mean, mm -hmm. Jim Henson was asked, you know, how how long were these characters going to last when he was at his height? And he said, we don't know how long they're going to last. He said, we'll keep them out as long as the audience wants to see them. And if they don't want to see them, they'll go away. Mm -hmm. He was very philosophical about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if the work just really got lousier and lousier and sloppier and sloppier, it would go away, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that Sesame Street is what it was. I don't even watch it anymore mm -hmm. uh, because I remember first season when it was just gut funny. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bernie and Bert were the, the best comedy team oh, on yes. television at the time. Mm -hmm. Oscar was hysterical <laughs> because it was so kind of anti-children's television. They were Rover getting away with stuff they community. shouldn't have gotten away with, you know? And yes. that you can't do now. Yeah. But as Frank Oz said, it's it's a good show, but it's just it's a little wussy kids show now. Mm. And it's not funny at all. <laughs> uh, I go back and I, I watch YouTube a lot, partly because I just like to see classic stuff. And it doesn't have to be something from the 30s or 40s, which I love. Mm -hmm. It can be first five, 10 years of Sesame and watch Frank Oz and Jim Henson cracking each yeah. other up and the stuff mm. they get away with. It's funny stuff. <laughs> And yeah. you can't do that nowadays because somebody is going to complain. You know? So much so of it, that is timeless, the work that they did. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mel Brooks said that that political correctness is killing comedy. Mm. You can't say anything or do anything that's out of the norm. And they got away with it. 
yeah, comedy is always stuff been... is just <clears throat> and and you don't really see that in in the films now. Now, if they put in kind of an adult line, it sort of stands out. It's done for shock value as opposed yeah. to just off the cuff, throw it in, get a laugh kind of thing. Um, I, you know, I, one of the, the the lines that people loved in um, Treasure Island, because Frank was still doing Piggy at the time, was when she was speaking with Long John Silver. And all she said to him was, you know, how's it going, Long John? And people were shocked that they got away yeah. with that. Kids mm -hmm. didn't pick up on it, but adults did. Mm -hmm. That's funny as hell. <laughs> it was, yeah. So yeah. as opposed to Fozzie walking around with fart shoes, mm -hmm. it's just different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little different. And comedy has always been the great equalizer. Uh, it, it's why they had court jesters uh, for kings and queens back in the day and everything. It was supposed to make the pauper and the king on the same level that everybody is, um, everything and everybody can have take a joke, that we can all take a punch. And I, I think that's part of what the Muppet Universe really is trying to do and it really does, uh, pulls off, is, is not only it being inclusive and everybody is welcome, but that we mm -hmm. can... That we all have differences and that's okay that yeah. that that's that's a positive it's not a, that doesn't mean that it's a, a negative it's actually a positive about who you are it, it's a it's a personality trait that's a good thing yeah um, and back in the 20s and 30s ethnic humor was a celebration of differences now it's used as a weapon yeah you know you there was nothing wrong with doing a dialect on on stage mm. but when you use it to hurt someone yeah you know, the, no these, people yeah. these people are done that's also the difference. But if you sit there and say, I'm going to do a, you know, a dialect, or I'm going to do ethnic humor, people's backs go up. What are you doing? Why, why can't we just keep everything the same? Mm. And it's like, that's not the point. You know, it's, it's very, very subjective. And, and we could talk for days about yeah. comedy and what's funny. And, and like they say, you know, you try to analyze comedy, the minute you cut into the patient, it dies. You can't explain a joke. You can't explain what's funny about it. It's yeah. either funny or it's not. Comedy has all of these rules about it, timing, pacing, delivery, all this stuff. But when it comes down to it, there's no rules. It's just, mm -hmm. is it funny? Mm -hmm. yeah. If it's funny, yeah. it's funny. It's it's a good joke. Yeah, like you said, very subjective. Yeah. We're going to have to bring you back, Tim. There's, there's like, I've got <laughs> like five or six more questions. I know she had other ones. You're going to have to do this again with us sometime. This was too much fun. Well, yeah. I'll leave you with a tease. How about this? <laughs> you were asking me what was my uh, takeaway from the Muppet movie? Yes. Uh, how about some original Big Bird feathers? Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, wow. wow. Let's see if we can get that without uh, too much oh. glare. There I see go. them. They're so cool. Oh, as a Big Bird fan, I'm just geeking mm -hmm. out. That's so cool. We finished shooting that night, and I said, I know there's feathers on that stage. <laughs> I knew that. These were on the floor. They were going to pick them up anyway. I figured, I'm taking them. So <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for sharing Thank that. You. Tim, you've been uh, the well, best. You've been such a blast. If, if yeah. people want to uh, see more work of yours or see what you're up to next or support you in your work anyway, how can they do that? Well, I, I try to keep it really simple and really focused. Um, I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook as Tim Barnes Puppeteer. Um, I don't really have a website, but I've got a lot of little profiles out there that don't don't get much traffic. I don't worry about that. 
Uh, I tried threads for a while, and that was just a hassle. So I said, no, month ago, that's enough. I'm getting off yeah. of that. Uh, I keep it simple, straightforward. And I love to hear from people. I love to hear from people who worked on the film. Uh, I got a bunch of um, uh, production skills I couldn't get from Henson. They said didn't exist. Mm. But I got it from someone who worked the film that night. And so, you know, I, I'm happy to share what I have. And I'd like to you know, hear from other people. Um, so anybody's welcome to, you know, shoot an email and, Oh, and so, uh, I can that's very steer cool. them in the right direction, send them photos or, and I certainly will be steering them to, to this show. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. We're going to get, Appreciate we're going to get you more foot traffic. I know that. Oh, thank you too. Becca, yeah. Thank you. My face like actually hurts from smiling. Yeah, so much right in here. Yes. You're, you're so right about, yeah. Yeah. We've been really, really enjoying this. Thank yeah. you so much, Tim. Well, thank you for being such good hosts. Uh, not, oh. not everyone is, but I could tell that you really enjoy what you're doing. It comes across and I knew this was going to be a pleasure to do so. Thank you so much. She Thank writes you. all my lines. So <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm really, I'm okay. I, I just read the cue cards. I just. <laughs> well, we know who the smart one is in this. Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, okay. definitely. Absolutely. hundred percent. No, thank you so much. You've been so much fun. And, and like you said, we'll have to have you back on. I love hearing your stories and just talking in general. Well, anytime, give me a heads up. Maybe we'll get together in another five or six months or something. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> that was good, good to us. <laughs> thank you, Tim. Yeah, thank you so much. And thank everybody for listening and tuning in. And we'll catch everybody next time. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you for taking the time to laugh and tune in with us. Together, we find the rainbow connection. Your support means so much, and we appreciate you. Our podcast art is by the awesome Aubin Sprecher, whose hilarious videos can be found at Death by Squirrel on YouTube. Until the next time, Muppet Heads!